Now, Mike, I want to skip the little opening bits and I want to I want to get right to the important stuff. I want to ask you this question. What do you think of Eddie Murphy? <sighs> Eddie Murphy is just I always flip flop with Eddie Murphy, you know, mm-hmm. on one hand, I'm like delirious is one of the greatest comedy stand-up specials of all time he has proven that he's that he is a great actor and he's like he's voice acted as donkey and shrek he was mushu he was in that one fucking adam sandler matthew broderick movie about like stealing from like a rich guy during the Mm -hmm. macy's day parade like the dude's done actual movies but for every for every Eddie Murphy piece that you're like, yeah, this is great. Like for every Beverly Hills cop, there's a daddy day camp too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's Eddie Murphy along with Will Ferrell and Jim Carrey. I can't really fault people for not enjoying because Mm -hmm. God bless. He is a fantastic actor. And I really do have respect for Eddie Murphy, but oh God. Oh you God. See, I'm glad I'm glad I'm glad we we kind of agree on that because well, I, I view it like this. He is funny. Like that much has been mm-hmm. proven. Like if you look if you watched him like in the eighties and you know, maybe even the nineties, you would know how funny he is. When we look at Trading Places, Beverly Hills Cop, Coming to America, even the voice acting, mm-hmm. like you mentioned with Mulan and Shrek, you know, which if we look at Shrek, he will always be making money from that. Mm-hmm. And not to also mention his stand-up specials. But like that, you got that generation, and then you have like the younger generation, like maybe our generation and younger. Around like two, the 2000s, he made some questionable choices. The Adventures mm-hmm. of Pluto Nash, Daddy Daycare, Meet Dave, Norbit. Like, he still had some good movies thrown there. Hell, he even won a, a Golden Globe for Dreamgirls. But, like, he made those movies. And then he also made the movie we're talking about today, A Thousand Words. Welcome to the Messed Up at Midnight podcast. I'm your host, Max Steele. And as always, I'm joined by Michael Flaherty. Yada, yada, yada. You guys know the bit. Um, now, Mike, you mentioned before we started recording you you were fine with this movie or like you didn't love it but it was just kind of like middle of the line. D- describe your feelings okay all right so <laughs> i'm going to be honest again it's mid it's mid to late 2000s early 2010s eddie murphy which is peak crap eddie murphy mm-hmm. like that is when eddie murphy was pumping out the worst of the worst with the exception mm-hmm. of pluto nash which came out in like 2001 and I walked into this movie expecting just shitty PG jokes and like dumb half-assed like Eddie Murphy gags where he makes facial features and gets like some slapstick comedy thing done to him. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, they have that. They do. They do. They have that in fucking spades. But mm-hmm. What I will definitely give this movie is that they at least tr- they at least put effort into their half-assed cookie cutter storyline. Mm-hmm. I really want that. Like they 
they were churning something out and they wanted everyone to know that they were churning something out, but at least they sat down and went, all right, well, let's make it at least passable. And that's exactly what this movie is in my brain, which is fine. It's okay. Mm -hmm. It has so many, so many ways where it can improve. And even when all of those are improved upon, I don't think it's going to be memorable. But you know what? It's okay. Which is very interesting because I want to get this big fact. You know, I do these little bits at the beginning where we talk about the production and we get into talking about the movie. The big fact with this one is that a thousand words is on a short list of a few movies on Rotten Tomato to receive a 0% rating, which means no critic, not one critic gave it a positive (laughs) review. And it wasn't like this movie got like, you know, 10, 15, 20 reviews. No, no, no. This had I'm pulling it up right now 50, 59 reviews and not a single person was like oh yeah you know this was okay none none well which I well. find really fascinating because mm-hmm. I'm kind of I'm in a similar camp like I don't think this is, this is not a good movie I want to make that abundantly clear but like yeah. it's not the worst thing I've ever seen <laughs> like it's not yeah. that bad I think they, I don't know if it's like the 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 critics were just being unfair. And looking at the audience score of 46, I think that's a little bit more apt for this movie. Yeah. Mike, what, what are your I, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I like the audience score of 46% feels really accurate. Like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna be so honest, you're like, yeah, there's a shitload it can improve upon. It's not good. But like, you're like, it's fine, it performs its function. And is an unmemorable, but like, you know, passable. Like, I, like, I, the, the way my brain gauges bad, like a truly bad movie that I don't like is whether or not I felt like I lost my time watching it. Mm-hmm. Did I truly sit there and I go, I lost the hours that I put into this that I could have spent elsewhere doing different things with my life. And I got to be honest, this one, I didn't feel like I wanted those hours back. I was like, I was like, that's fine. Yeah, it's, and maybe I'm going to be, I'm going to be so honest. I was so worried. Like, I'm going to, like, like your prep and lead in for this gave my anxiety (laughs) a fucking spike because I thought you were going to be like, and this got worst picture of the decade at the Razzies, worst (laughs) exercise. And I was about to be like, I guess I'm rolling in with the hot take. (laughs) But no, we we might have everybody coming after us if that was the case. Yeah, exactly. Like, I was sitting there, it's like, like, I was so worried. But okay, it does make me feel better that, like, the audience was like, this is fine like it's it's okay <laughs> like all right yeah but yeah I, mean, yeah, I, 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 I um i i just i just think it's i just think it's fine like it's all right i don't know and i guess i guess i'm a little bit more on the negative side of things not not fucking zero percent negative by any stretch of the imagination <laughs> but you know a little more like yeah it's bad I'm never, uh, yeah, you know, but I, but it is of that yeah. bad where it's like, I'm never going to watch this again. But I think, I think my big problem with this movie is mm-hmm. you take a guy like Eddie Murphy, who is known as, you know, that fast talking comedy. Like, you know, if you've 
Look at him in Shrek, prime, ma- the most mainstream example. You know, Donkey's always he's always talking. He's always you know go you know stringing words together in fun funny sentences. You take that fast talking comedy and it stripped away from him about a third of the way through this movie. You were taking away Eddie Murphy's main weapon of comedy. You know, can, can he do physical? Sure. I don't know if you maybe got like a Jim Carrey for this movie, it would be a little bit more ideal, which I mean, or this movie would literally just be a direct ripoff of liar, liar. But that that's besides the point. See, see, I was thinking, okay, see, it's funny that you mention this because that is also my main point is like, Mm -hmm. I think that Eddie Murphy is supposed to be the fast talking, funny guy. He's not supposed to play the straight man or the body comic. Like, he can do body comedy. He can. It's just, I feel like, I was talking with this with my roommate. We both agreed. It would have been so much better if it was like a like a Gene Wild, not, uh, yeah, what is it? Gene Wilder? Gene Wilder, That's Willy yeah. Wonka, right? Yeah. yeah. Gene Wilder, Richard Pryor thing, where you mm-hmm. had a straight guy and a funny guy. Like a guy who is the straight and narrow, or like a, a more modern example is Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling in Nice Guys. <laughs> Dude, like, 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 honest to oh, God. Yes. If, oh, yes. Or, okay. thank, thank you for if, bringing him into this we, episode. Yes. I was not expecting. Sorry, let me just unbutton my shirt a little bit. It's getting a little hot in here. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, you're like, damn, first the bar, first the Barbie movie. And now this. Listen, I'll okay. say a thousand words right now just so I can kill myself and see Ryan Gosling in heaven. Yes, please. <laughs> I don't know what the oh fuck I just God. said, bro. Like, <laughs> yeah, dude, I was like, Ryan Gosling is alive. Are you saying God is Ryan Gosling? <laughs> I'm saying like he he's waiting for me at the gates of heaven to <laughs> to just to to a loving embrace. That's my heaven. Is in Ryan. I like, is, I, like uh, <laughs> I was like, let me just stop. Just like, like why we say something blasphemous here? I, I just like the idea. Just just like the idea of you're just like you're like oh my god. St. Peter, oh, I'm going through the gates of heaven. Is that is that Mother Mary over the corner? Oh my God, Jesus. And then who's that up at the top of the clouds? Is that God? Is that you? Oh no, something hotter. And it's <laughs> <laughs> step down. It's all right. But okay, back, back, to, back to the fucking, back to the main part. Okay, like, Honest to God, I feel like if you had a like like a traditional straight character mm-hmm. be the one who lost his voice, like that would that would make this movie great because you would mm-hmm. have like two guys trying to score a deal and like one guy can't talk anymore and the other guy's got to work around it and he's kind of loose and crazy. That would have made so much more sense to me and been so I mean, much more of a better movie. I mean, that's kind of what they tried to do with um. Uh, Clark Duke, the guy that plays um, yeah. um, Eddie Murphy's assistant, but it's just it's not like that same back and forth that we get. In fact, I kind of I kind of found his character annoying in this movie. If I can his, tell you the truth, yeah, I did too. I did too. I'm so glad you found him annoying because he was not funny. He was kind of just like I was like, <laughs> shut up. But but I think that's <laughs> like, my point because it's like he was the main driving force of like all of the like audio like the 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 talking comedy but it it just yeah. wasn't funny and there was one part where 
I was just kind of like, what the fuck did he just say? And I had to like pause the movie and rewind. We'll get there. I have it written down in my oh, fucking yeah. notes. Uh-huh. I think you know what I'm Hell talking yeah. about. <laughs> oh, fucking yeah, you do. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Oh, my God. But, dude, I'm going I'm to do a couple of I'm gonna do a couple of more rapid fire behind the scenes facts, you know, because I, I do want to get right. talking about Eddie Murphy and a thousand words. OK, so looking behind the scenes. This movie was originally filmed in 2008, but not released until 2012, primarily due to the separation of DreamWorks Pictures from Paramount Pictures. So the movie just kind of fucking got shelved, and then, yeah, they just kind of fucking released it later. Director Brian Ribbons, you you might know him, previously worked on uh, Good Burger, Keenan and Kel, Varsity Blues, Ready to Rumble, The Shaggy Dog, Meet Dave, Norbit, and even produced Fred the Movie, One Tree Hill, and The Amanda Show. He directed this. All right. A specific vibe. A very, very specific vibe. Which, you know. Oh, God. What's his name? The the director of Bratz, you know, directing all the Disney Channel original movies and Reagan as well. Yeah, God, I will never get over that. That the that that hard pivot from Barbie, the Brats, Lizzie McGuire, or just not Lizzie McGuire, but it's like, and then just then Ronald Reagan. <laughs> All right, but the, yeah, this guy is still sticking to what he knows, which you know, respect. He's not he he unlike the other guy hasn't chosen to deviate. He's like. I'm just going to cash these checks and ride this ride this into the sunset, which in a weird Fair. way, I applaud. I applaud. You know, hats off to you. You're you're sticking to it. But yeah, it's yeah, it, it, it's I don't know. It's there's so much to improve on this movie. And mm-hmm. the fact that it was the dude who did the Keenan and Kel Good Burger early Nickelodeon stuff. Like I'm like that tracks that really feels mm-hmm. accurate. I mean, you're right. It does fit a certain niche market. And, you know, hey, if that's what like his thing is, then, hey, you know, fair enough. My hat's off to you. Good, sir. And let's look at the writer as well. Writer Steve Corin. I believe that's how I pronounce his last name. Previously worked on Bruce Almighty, Click, and was a writer for SNL. And he also wrote Jack and Jill. Oh, the mighty fall. We've had a lot of like Jack and Jill connections with this it's, podcast. See, 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 it's very, it's very interesting to me how like it's, it's kind of like the shitty, the shitty movies of the two thousands all kind of rotate around Jack and Jill in a weird yeah, fucking right? way, right, dude? Like, like that's not even like me like doing a conspiracy theory thing. Like, mm-hmm. it's like. All of these shitty movies that we've watched that have come out after the 2000s, there is at least, like, there is at most two degrees of separation. Mm-hmm. Like, like mm-hmm. f- for between that movie and Jack and Jill. It is like, that is, that is the, that is the centerpiece, cornerstone, climactic moment of the 21st century of bad movies. Like, people, people were saying, oh, the world's supposed to end in 2012. And we're just staying there just like, no, no, no. It was supposed Jackie to end. Jill in, must go on. It was supposed to end in uh, the world ended in 2011 when we got Jack and Jill, and and the worst offense, Dunkachino. <sighs> yeah, 
Yeah. I was, I, was trying, I was trying to think of something worse than Duncan Chino, but I mean, I don't know, Adam Sandler in drag, like, I mean, that's pretty good. And I didn't really get respect for the guy again until he did Uncut Gems. That that is true. That is true. He it's it's really fascinating how how he was able to undo all of the goodwill he got from uh Punch Drunk Love mm-hmm. just in one fell swoop of a movie. Like Ian did Billy Madison, Longest Yard, like Happy Gilmore, Punch Drunk Love, all of this goodwill he just decided to flush down the drain with Jack and Jill. And that no one respected him until he did until he did uncut gems and now everyone's like, all right, it's Adam Sandler o'clock. And the last and probably most important fact I wanted to bring on this movie was Mike, do you know who one of the producers was? Oh, on this movie. Oh, I think I do. It was, I think think it was, it, it was, it was the, it was, I think our favorite messed up at midnight mascot, the the man himself, Mister Mister Soul Reading, unbearable weight of massive talent himself, Nicholas Motherfucking Coppola Cage. I want to know why. I really want to know why. Like, how That's- the hell did Nick Cage <laughs> get involved? Not with acting, but producing. This movie, how did that come to be? Like, what were the steps? How did we get from point A to point B of Nicolas Cage off whatever the fuck he was doing in like the early 2010s to him being involved in this Eddie Murphy comedy? Okay, hold up, hold up. Mike, we had the answer in front of us all along. You you and I are sitting here talking about, you know, why, why don't we get like a Jim Carrey or a Ryan Gosling or a Russell Crowe? to you know act in this movie why don't we just get nick cage nick this, like, cage it, it, loses his voice and Eddie you want to talk you want to talk, talk about physicality i mean nick cage he could do it if we got <laughs> nick could. cage in a he thousand could. words listen we would get like some of the most memeable facial expressions i i think like in nick cage's repertoire if he did this Absolutely, absolutely. Con Air, like what's it called? Vampire or whatever the fuck. The like all of his all of his notoriously shitty moves can well, they they can go to hell. If he was in a thousand words, we would get it would be Nick Cage moments the movie. Like, good fucking lord. Okay, so enough about Nick Cage. I love that man. We gotta get to the important questions, Mike, which is if this movie were a drink, what would it be and why? Okay. So the thing about this movie is like, this movie's not good, but the thing about this movie that I feel like separates it from a lot of the previous movies we've had is it isn't sh- like, it isn't dog fucking shit. Like mm-hmm. glitter is a, dog shit movie geely is a doesn't make dog shit movie like this movie doesn't make me fucking mad this movie made me get up and go okay it it was it was it is the definition of four four and a half out of ten like like it is the textbook definition 
So I was like, I was like making this big extravagant cocktail that's meant to do nothing but gross you the hell out felt really wrong to me. It's so I'm like, okay, all right. I'm like, okay, fine. So what the hell is this movie then? This movie has a premise that I feel like is is built for a PG movie and has the energy of a PG movie, but it has the beats of a of a movie that is like trying its hardest to push an R rating without an R rating. It was actually rated PG thirteen. So, I just wanted to want to. Yeah, no, yeah, that. exactly, exactly. Yeah, that, that that's my point. Is like, mm-hmm. is like, the whole vibe of the movie. I feel like almost, and this makes sense because the dude did fucking Good Burger in the Amanda Show. It feels like a PG movie, but the beats, the fact that they say like shit and fuck regularly and get trashed and high. I'm like, okay. That feels like they're really trying their hardest to push an R rating. So it's like, okay, it's this weird middle ground of a of like a of like a movie. So having a whole ass spirit didn't feel right. And having this tepid nothing thing as a base, like a water, didn't feel right either. So I'm like, okay, what I'm like, we're gonna go for a liqueur. Mm-hmm. This movie has this movie has this very sort of like summery, sweeter sort of look and feel to it. But it also has these bitter tones and like serious adult themes that just confuse the hell out of me. So we're going to go with a liqueur. It's over on the over, over in the over in a good old, good old Europe. We're going to go with Aperol. Hmm. Because because the actual liquors themselves didn't feel they didn't feel like they fit. So I'm like, okay, cool. Aperol. What are we thinking? I'm trying to think of a trying to think of a summery, like brighter, like cocktail that fits with an Aperol. My brain defaulted almost instantaneously to an Aperol spritz. So we got to screw it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. This Aperol has got some bitter notes. That is Aperol's Aperol is kind of one of their defining things is its bitterness with that sort of floral sort of thing they got going on. A little bit of Prosecco and some ice. It's kind of it. You can throw in some, I don't know, some lemon, some like, I don't know, some other fruits to like brighten it up. But it's pretty much just Prosecco, Aperol and ice. It's kind of it's kind of like a Fanta that gets you drunk. Really delicious, by the way. But okay, so we have our Aperol. That's our bait. So pour in your Aperol into, into, the, um, into your shaker. And I want you to pull out some simple syrup and just pour in simple syrup and taste till you don't get that bitterness anymore. There's still something there and that floralness is good. Just like Eddie Murphy's like physical comedy. It's good. But you're pouring in so much of this extra thing, this this out of left field turn that normally works, and you're just kind of muddying the other flavor that is arguably one of the bigger driving forces. Mm-hmm. Then add in these support characters that 
are supposed to add something, but they're kind of just inoffensive, nothing characters that kind of just move the plot along. So, okay, fine. Let's find something inoffensive that's, you know, not preferable. Lime juice. Take, just throw some lime juice in. You know, it won't do anything for the flavor. It, all it's going to do is be tart. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really exactly fit. Lemon, maybe some orange citrus would be a little bit better. Maybe some orange bitters. But no, we'll just throw in a fucking lime. Shake all that up. Pour it over ice. And, uh, and normally, this is where the Prosecco comes in. That bubbly, that brightness, that sort of energy that the movie brings. This movie doesn't really have a shitload of energy. It's not like it's this quiet, pensive sort of piece. And it's not like it's tiring. It just isn't quick about itself, even though it has slapstick comedy. Mm -hmm. So let's just pop a thing of, like, Prosecco, because why not? And just let it sit. Give it about an hour in a hot sun in, like, the middle of, like, June. Don't want it to get gross. You just want it to get flat. Mm -hmm. Pour that in to taste till you get to the top of your glass. Give it a quick stir. And that's this movie. It's simple. It's inoffensive. Uh, Mm -hmm. And there's could have been so much more to it. A very flat spritz that that feels simple and appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, you know, very just just like you, Mike. So, okay, now. <laughs> no, I told easy, you that. Too, <laughs> too easy. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Mike, uh, Mike, I do, I do like that drink. Your drink feels probably a little bit more apt than my drink. I went. Um, well, you'll see. So, okay. I viewed this I'm as excited. as a stripped as a stripped down Eddie Murphy. You know, in a comedic sense. You know, some spiritual message thrown in there, and I wasn't a fan of the comedy. Like, I didn't really find it. I maybe exhaled out of my nose, like, at one or two jokes. And then there was a one that that just fucking confused me, but we'll fucking get there. So I was trying to think of a base. I did not go with a spritz. I went with a vodka. Because for me, like, a bad vodka is, like, unfunny comedy. It's, like, it's painful. You feel that there's a part of you that lost after you're done with it. So let's take Eddie Murphy. Now, I don't believe Eddie Murphy... As a whole is vodka, but I think this movie in this movie, I think he is our fast talking book agent who can't speak more than a thousand words or he'll die for him in this particular drink. You know, we're going to say vodka. Now, let's mix in one ounce of some, you know, solid flavored vodka, like the, the, the vodka you wouldn't ever buy, but it's the best option out of the options presented to you at a party. So I went with a flavored Smirnoff, specifically a caramel flavored Smirnoff. This is Eddie Murphy, like at the beginning of the movie. We get we we get the Eddie Murphy that we want, okay? We'll need two more ounces of vodka. These are your last option at the bar. The thing that takes away the flavor, any semblance of joy, that thing that you like about the vodka is gone. Bottom shelf, some unflavored Burnett's, two ounces for the remaining two-thirds of the movie. We have a vaguely new age spiritual message to go along with our movie, but also a lot of corporate sponsorships with it. I think specifically uh, Starbucks and some of like the action figures and like the properties that they show. 
So I'm going to go with, go get yourself a chai tea from Starbucks. And we got a tone that's like all over the place. It's supposed to be funny, but we don't really know for who. Like, And it, it also gets dark. Like this movie is rated PG-13, but at times feels like a kid's movie. Like it's not a black comedy, but it's not a kooky comedy. So for this clash in tones, I'm going to say, go get yourself one and a half ounces of birthday cake liqueur. And then oh one and a half God. ounces of the cheapest fucking whiskey you can find in your dad's liquor cabinet after they finalize the divorce. Now, for Eddie Murphy's assistant in the film, who has more to say in this movie, and it really feels like he's trying to be the star of the movie, but fails. For, for good old Clark, go grab, because I, I didn't like his character, Mike. I don't know about you. I was not a oh, fan. No. Hell no. So for just kind of ruining every scene that he's, I hate saying that I do. I know these people have feelings, but go grab half a tablespoon to a quarter of a tablespoon of Vegemite and just fucking drop it in the drink. Oh. And, you know, and, you know, lastly, because Eddie Murphy's ringtone is this song. Go grab yourself a lollipop because they do that bit just so fucking much and just drop it in the drink as well. Whatever flavor you want for me, I'm going to say cherry. And you know what? Yeah, I, I think that's this movie. Damn. Okay. I'm running down. I'm running down the ingredients just to recap it. Caramel okay. Smirnoff, Burnett's, uh, chai tea from Starbies. We got uh, a birthday cake liqueur, the divorce whiskey, and the, the divorce type of whiskey. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the whiskey that Willie Nelson sang about. That's, that's, the, that's the whiskey. That's the whiskey that. That's the. The whiskey that makes you go, it makes you go out and just stare at the sky in the middle of the street. <laughs> I mean, Eddie Murphy does that. Like he does, he has that vibe at points in this movie. That is true. It's, I was expecting just to just to hear just whiskey river take my mind. <laughs> he just like walks out. But in any case, in any case, I like it. I like it. I like the I my don't favorite the part don't was don't be the Vegemite. Oh, and the Vegemite. Sorry, the Vegemite. Oh my god. It's it's such a combination of things that like for the most part I don't like. <laughs> I'm going to be so honest. It's a lot of vodka. Maybe the divorce whiskey may have a may have a somber bite to it that I could like in a weird fucking way understand, but like not understand that, but like understand why people would. I'm digging a fucking hole here. Jesus, like, Mike, right. Mike, is everything is everything okay? Is everything? Are you doing okay, man? Like, she took the kids. She took the kids. No, all right. So, but like, it's just. I'm gonna get if we do that drink. I'm gonna get fucking wasted off of that drink. That is we're not, we're not that is Sarah that. No, no, no. T drinks. That is Sarah T drink territory <laughs> that's this, this is this is a sipping drink that you sip over the course of a couple of days but <laughs> <laughs> exactly but the, it's like yeah i like it i like it that was it was good it was good i think you i think you got all of the characters and themes together in a really good way also god damn it it always hurts me to just like shit on clark clark duke in this movie because genuinely, he is a good actor. Like oh, I he's just funny in the office. I, I just rewatched Hot Tub Time Machine, and he's mm -hmm. fucking hysterical in that. 
Like, and also, he also voices Brett in Inside Job, RIP Inside Job. Netflix took mm-hmm. it off. But, like, yeah, no, I don't know why, but this fucking isn't it. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, let's go crack yourself open a drink and let's get to talking about a thousand words. We open up on a mess of a house in a voiceover by Eddie Murphy. And what we're hearing, it's not his real voice. It's his inner voice. If he says one more sentence out loud, he'll die. And we see him outside on this beautiful lawn going from, from the inside of a beautiful house. He goes to water a tree that's spare on leaves. And he turns around and he's got, a, he's got his mouth duct taped over. But then we cut to the same house, you know, earlier. A much nicer you know, we get upbeat music. Now, Eddie Murphy is walking through his house and talking fast about deals and people and stuff. And he also has a child and a wife. And, you know, we get we get some comedy here about some joke about Shaq shitting in his baby's diaper, which I don't have kids, but I'm sure like I'm sure all fathers can identify with is like sometimes you just have those moments. Yeah, it's my favorite part about this whole thing is they literally they literally made Eddie Murphy do the he's a generic busybody like thing that they do in the fucking Hallmark movies uh, where it's like the character is like, oh, business, business, business. And they're like on the phone like on two different phones talking at the same time. And it's just it's like it's like a kid just sat there and was just like, he's got to be doing business. And you're like, it's just, he's saying random buzzwords. Like, I, I feel like I could have almost heard him say like synergy as he's like, just, just walking down. You just got Andy Samberg over in the corner, just going through the whole fucking like a boss song. And it's just <laughs> Eddie Murphy doing all of that. Like all of like the beginning parts of that song and not, you know, the having sex with a fish and turning into a rocket and, <laughs> and chopping off his balls. So <laughs> I was about to say, for a more I was interesting like, movie. It's like, yeah, it's, it's that would, damn. That would be that. You know what? If a thousand words turned into that half of the, like a boss video, that would be <laughs> goddamn. That would be one fucking Dude, roller I change, coaster. I would change my tone on this movie so quickly. So, Absolutely. but then later, we get Eddie Murphy in line at a Starbies and, you know, he's trying to cut in line when a woman threatens to run him over with his, with her car. So he goes to the back of the line, but he gets an idea. He does that. He, you know, gets on his phone and is like, Oh, Oh my God, she's in labor. I just stepped out to get coffee. So, so like the whole line is like, yeah, you know, go ahead. You can go in front of us, you know, and he gets his coffee and he leaves. Then we go in an office and, you know, after we zoom out of the Starbucks coffee cup, which, I mean, that's what made me think this movie is sponsored because it's just like Starbucks cup. And then we just fucking zoom out. To the <laughs> yeah, exactly. Office. Yeah, that so, is true. That is true. Yeah. Now, Eddie Murphy, he's talking a mile a minute. And about, like, how do you really know a person? And the guy who's sitting across from him interrupts him. And I think that's his, supposed to be his therapist, which if you're a therapist, why would you interrupt like your patient? Like if they're coming to therapy, let them talk <laughs> their job to talk and your job to listen. <laughs> That is that is the that is the thing that did make me curious. Like he's just sitting there talking the whole time, and just the therapist is just fucking staring at him. And I'm like, I feel like you could get a lot from this. Like I'm, I'm like, I feel like he's giving you a lot of a lot of writing writing opportunities. Why why ain't you writing this down, bud? But <laughs> hey, all right, whatever. 
You know, he, I mean, I don't know. Mo- movie therapy, we'll say. So, yeah, exactly. So we get Eddie Murphy, you know, dropping his car off um, in front of a you know business building. And a valet uh, takes his car and tries to get him to read his manuscript. And, you know, of course, Eddie Murphy, you know, shoes him away like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get to it when I get to it. And then next inside, it's we get Clark, you know, we, a.k.a. Mini Dwight from The Office. And he is playing like Eddie Murphy's receptionist. So Murphy arrives and, you know, Clark's picking out all his mini marshmallows from the cereal because I guess he's one of those types of people that only likes green M&Ms. So that's this, we know those what <laughs> that is true that is true that's that's a, that is some weird shit that in my brain i still don't understand though people are just like people are just like i need this thing that's supposed to be a mixed fucking bag to have only this thing and i'm like why so clark goes in he's trying to you know get his words out you know and he want his goal is to be an agent but Eddie Murphy is like, he, you know, you got to speak faster. You got to be like me. You know, you, you, you got you to always be moving. But, but then we get a whole bit where Eddie Murphy talks about how do you know a book? And he only reads the first five pages and the last five pages of a book. And that's all he needs to know. And, you know, he can just fill it in. And, OK, we cut to a conference room now. So Eddie Murphy is now doing a presentation about some fucking cult religious leader to some coworkers, <laughs> business people. He's this- the cult leader has this long flowing hair and he's in 30 seconds to Mars and it's Jared Leto. (laughs) You know, I was thinking, I was thinking more Waco because I think, you know, they talk about the, the holy shit. Okay. (laughs) Different. Goddamn different energy, different fucking energy. I was thinking, I was thinking creepy new agey flowy guy, but you just went, you just went David Koresh. I was like, all right. Goddamn. Dude, guys, let us know who your favorite uh, cult leader is on social media and DM Michael Flaherty and give him just fucking paragraphs upon paragraphs of why your favorite cult leader is the best. Huh. Hashtag Jim Jones gag. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Don't do that. Oh, my God. Don't do that. Don't do that. Do not fucking do that. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna just stop talking right now. <laughs> you know, oh, David Koresh. Don't don't try and crawl your you way out of it, this. You took it to Jim Jones. I was just trying to do a, a nice wholesome bit about David Koresh, and you're the one that's bringing it in about you know, oh yeah, hashtag on social media. <laughs> hey, all right. Yeah, exactly. Because you knew that it was gonna stay a nice, clean, wholesome bit when you brought up Waco, Texas. <laughs> Oh my god, dude! We're we're, we're gonna get <laughs> we're gonna get arrested, dude! I don't, dude! I I can't wait! I can't wait for for like Apple Podcasts or like fucking Spotify or something to be like we're removing your podcast. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna move on. So, so this religious guy apparently he's outselling a bunch of people, and his philosophy is in quiet there is truth. But then, like this group of like upper management is like, okay, well, how can you get an audience with this guy? Now, how can you convince? him to sign with you and murphy just responds i can talk i could talk anyone into doing anything and i'm pretty sure i once heard a frat boy say the same thing but yeah. <laughs> coincidentally i also heard dennis reynolds from it's always sunny say the same thing 
<laughs> Coincidentally, I heard David Koresh say the same thing. No, no. no. Oh, no. Circling oh, back. <laughs> you know, you ever, you ever listen to Marshall okay, Apple? Okay, okay. I'm pretty sure he said. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, okay. You ever just. <laughs> It's like the two of us are tight roping and just one and just the both of and we and like the both of us pulled out scissors at the same time and we're like, oh yeah, you were gonna do it too? All right, sure. And just fucking cut the rope. Okay. So, okay, so we go sorry, I have this we go to the Waco compound next. Oh no, no. Eddie Murphy and everyone just roll out. Oh, okay. Okay, so at his at uh, the spiritual leader's temple where everyone is doing tai chi and chanting and shit, Eddie Murphy is joining in on the meditation and chanting. But you know, while everyone's going home, he's doing like "Om oh, Mama Mama Sa Mama Husa Mama Sa" and just does that bit. And everyone's kind of looking at him. So this religious guru comes out and speaks. You know, the same New Age stuff you've probably seen on that weird side of YouTube at like three a.m. So the guru says some – he just kind of says quotes you would see in a white woman's kitchen and then he start, and then Eddie Murphy starts fake crying after seeing someone else do it. So these other guys just kind of drag him off. So then we go to his, like some fucking massage room where Eddie Murphy is lying down and the guru is pouring some tea. You know, Murphy is drinking it. They're talking about enlightenment. Eddie Murphy's phone rings. He lets it ring. It's a lollipop. I mentioned that in my drink. So Murphy talks about the blue pearl. That was like the thing that he, that the guru was talking about envisioning this ver- their version of enlightenment. So Murphy says like, okay, listen, the reason I'm here is I'm trying to sign you. And the guru's like, no, and then just walks away. So Murphy gives chase, and you know the, uh, they talk about things and they talk about like trees. And Murphy he's like, oh yeah, I love trees. I love trees. I you know I can't stop. If I, I think it was a bird in another life, you know, I, I can't stop talking about trees. So the guru asks, well, have you read my book? And Murphy's just like, oh, of course. I, I want to spread your message, you know, and of course get 10%. And, you know, goes to lean on a nearby tree, but he cuts his thumb. And the guru just like, you know, says some things. But Murphy's like, listen, if you commit to me, I'll give you all that I am, mind, body, and spirit. The guru's like, okay, you know what? Fair enough. So they shake hands and, you know, Murphy gets the deal. So in the car, Eddie Murphy calls Clark to tell him the good news. And I was like, hey, I, you know, like I, you know, I got I got the client, but hey, I'm going to be back to the office later. I got to go celebrate with my mom. So we cut to a Mexican restaurant. Where <laughs> Eddie Murphy goes to talk to his mom and, you know, the mom is she's not all the way there mentally and just keeps calling him Raymond. And, you know, she's, you know, like I said, not all the way there mentally. And, you know, we get exposition. Raymond was her husband. Eddie wasn't too fond of them. He walked out when, you know. Eddie Murphy was a kid and we get a random joke about some old guy's uh, package. It's this Mm. is such a weird fucking scene. So it transitions from, you know, real intense plot, not intense. It's not fucking intense. It's just plot stuff where Eddie Murphy is like, I'm here for you. Mind, body and soul. Then it transfers to what I initially thought was a fucking quinceanera. I was like, oh, shit. Okay, cool. I was like, and then literally Eddie Murphy's walking through it. And I was like, oh, is Eddie Murphy supposed to be like mixed in this movie? Like, is mm-hmm. his mom Hispanic? And then, nope, she's just nope. chilling. 
And I was like, okay, cool. All right. Yeah, and, and exactly. She calls him Raymond all the time, and you're like, oh, okay. So she's, she's supposed to be like kind of mentally sort of gone at this mm-hmm. point. And you, and it's just like, yeah, you're like, okay, it's, this feels, this feels, I guess, on track. And then they just make a like, hey, Daryl, your your dick looks hot through those pants. And you're like, whoa. You're like, Jesus. Okay, cool. Senile old lady talks about guys' junk. All right. And dude, it's funny because like this whole movie, I, I thought like up until like a certain point, you'll know that point soon, I thought this movie was PG. Like that's kind of yeah, like the vibes so I was I. getting. So when they were making like these jokes and things, I was like, what? That's kind of pushing it a little bit. And then come to find out later, oh, no, it's PG-13, which makes a little bit more sense. Doesn't make it funny. Eh. So, again, Eddie and his mom sit down. You know, mom's still calling him Raymond. And apparently Eddie missed, you know, a recent birthday. And, you know, it's tough. And mom still calls him Raymond. You know, she's confused. And then Eddie Murphy just fucking leaves without sitting down and having a proper meal with his mom. You dick. So yes. Eddie Murphy. So then later, Eddie Murphy arrives. He says it's back to his house. He says some words to the gardener outside, and then inside at night, Eddie's wife shows him a pamphlet for a new house. You know, she wants to move. He doesn't. She she's like, "Listen, the house isn't safe. Non-fenced-in pool next to a cliff with a small child. Wife calls it a bachelor pad. You know, she had to change the child at a bar, and it, this kid's room is in like a media room on the floor of a bachelor pad. So, you know, I feel like my childhood's really being called out here. Um, so <laughs> he gets, you're, like, you're like, that media room was comfortable. You know how much Star Wars I got to watch. <laughs> Listen, just thin, just thin blanket on the floor. Like that. That's all I needed uh, from a young age. I've been a minimalist. That's why. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I've been a minimalist. That's what the fuck that is. Like a sleeping bag in a media room. And you're like, you're like, I live within my means. <laughs> Like that sounds like that sounds like some weird priorities. <laughs> okay, so we get back and forth conflict, and Eddie Murphy finally agrees to paint the media room. The wife doesn't find this funny, so she wanders off. But then there's an earthquake, and then a big ass fucking tree just sprouts up in the backyard. And you know, instead of checking on you know his child or his wife, he goes out back while his wife goes to check on the kid. So we go outside. And Eddie Murphy, you know, sees this tree and the gardener comes up and they're like, you know, what, what the fuck happened? So he's like, wait, no, no, no. I recognize this tree. It's the same one from the guru's place. And he's trying to cut up and make jokes. And he's like, you know what? We'll, we'll keep, we'll keep the tree as he's talking to the gardener. And, you know, we see it's, it's when I say same tree, it's quite literally the same tree. It's got his blood on it and everything. So Eddie starts walking away, but then we see some leaves fall off. It's the next day at the agency. Clark bought Eddie a crown and a scepter, and he's got a throne on the way. That was a little throwaway bit that they did. Eddie calls him yeah. and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, how was the book? And Clark was like, okay, well, listen, about the guru's book, it was only five pages long. And, you know, Eddie Murphy's like, excuse me, what the actual <laughs> fuck? He's like, that's, are you serious? Damn, that is like, that's... That feels like that feels like subtle, like middle finger stuff when you're like when you're like, oh, cool. All right. We're getting this. And then it's five pages, which the movie is like, hey, remember, because he said he only reads five pages. You're like, oh, good. Thank you. Thank you, movie. Thank you. Thank you for just very, tying it very, back. You're like, yeah, it's, it's it all's coming back together. 
So then Eddie Murphy's like, okay, I mean, you know what? I'm going to go give him a piece of my mind. So back at the temple, Murphy confronts the guru about the length and he was like, well, no, no, no. I, I, I thought you read it. You told me you read it. And then Eddie Murphy just starts sneezing. He's like, you know, sorry, I must be having an allergic reaction to that tree you sent me. The guru's like, hold up. I didn't send you a tree. So they're like, oh, shit. So they go back to the house. Eddie shows him the tree and the guru's like, interesting. One of the branches doesn't have a single leaf. Look at that tree and say something. So Eddie Murphy says something. Some leaves fall. Eddie Murphy, you know, sings the baby back rib song and some more leaves fall. The guru's like, you and, and, and are chilies, and you just see a neon chili sign just in the sky. Just descend. this whole movie's a chili's ad. <laughs> the guru's at- and then the, the wife comes out and she's just got her arms down. She goes, Hi, welcome to Chili's. Chili's. RIP to a real one. Yeah, no, chili- I forgot that that Chili's guy died. Listen, and then the logos come down. It's Chili's, Applebee's, Olive Garden. And it's just the chain it's, it's restaurants. the disciples of white people fancy. <laughs> oh my god. It's Outback is in the Outback's in the corner, just over the mountains, just peeking, waiting. Do I haven't been to a fucking Outback in ages? I did fuck with it though. I did fuck with Outback. I, hey, hey, you know what? The Bloomin' Onion actually does slap. I'm not even gonna lie. Not <laughs> anybody, even a fucking lie. If anybody is Outback, I'm gonna be like. Have you tried the blooming onion? <laughs> Have you tried? But hear me out, sir. The blooming onion does hit. <laughs> that that that's all you need. Yeah, no, so that's it. That's Eddie it. Mur- yeah, like, so just- Eddie Murphy. <laughs> I, just, I got that. So the guru's like, hey. <laughs> the guru's just like, hey, uh, you and this tree are connected. It seems like all you're talking is making you sick. And then Murphy's like, wait, what do you mean? Guru says, the more talking you do, the more the leaves fall off, the sicker you get. If all the leaves fall off, the tree dies. So Eddie Murphy's like, oh, so I could die. And the guru's like, listen, yes, but you would die the most amazing way possible. And this is all being taken as a joke, but it's a very dark situation that we find ourselves in. Yeah. So now Murphy, he doesn't have many words left. You, you can you can that's that's fucked for like there for like, i don't know that is such a dark scenario to be in for like the shaman to be like hey at least it'd be an interesting death you're like you fucking asshole i could watch myself die effectively i can just straight up watch his watch my ass die like no so the the um, this is being you know like I said being taken as a joke but it's very dark so you know Murphy he's got an idea he's like you know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna cut this tree down but he takes an axe to the side of the tree and then he fucking gets sent flying off Just boom like hits like he gets like thrown like twenty feet falls got a scar um on his ass in like the shape of an axe so Murphy's just pissed off at the guru the guru's like oh yeah no listen there was a there was don't don't listen. There was a monk who had something like this happen. He died. By the way, I'm leaving tonight to Bolivia. I'll talk to my colleagues to see, you know, if I can find anything out. Just don't talk for three days. How hard could it be? And Murphy's face just says, oh, shit. The, the, yeah. So we get the shaman uh, just turns short and consequential the, the, the dream sh- sequence. 
<laughs> the shaman turns and just goes, oh, goodbye. I'm going to Guinea for a few days with a bunch of my with a bunch of my followers. <laughs> I've brought some Kool-Aid along. Oh, no, no. I don't even know if I'm going to fucking use that bit. Like, I'm like, let me let me do some research. See if we're going to get canceled for these. These bits are getting jokes too about much. mass tragedies. Oh, God. So, okay. So, so Eddie Murphy wakes up from a dream. You know, he sees his wife and kid asleep on the couch. So he tries to write them a note. But I mean, even fucking writing a note is having leaves fall off the tree and, you know, gives the tree the middle finger and a fucking leaf falls off the tree. How the fuck does this tree work? If I speak words, leaves fall off and I die. He gives it the middle finger and a leaf falls off. That's that's that was my big flaw with this. That, no, no, not with the movie, but this concept is that the tree like mm-hmm. like how is that? That's not a word. That is a hand motion. The movie makes it abundantly clear that hand motion a OK. Like it's that's not like, come on. That's that's a, for for a runaway gag. You just poked a hole in your entire plot. Like, like, what the fuck? Okay, so now we get like a series of skits. So we get a skit at Starbucks with Eddie Murphy and that one dude from 30 Rock where he tries to order, but he accidentally gets a whole lot of coffee. Yeah, it's like fucking Kenneth from 30 Rock. So he does that, like he does that bit. We go outside and we get a bit of Eddie Murphy helping a blind guy cross the street and then just causes like multiple car accidents and probably uh, mass casualties. And then we get a bit where yes. Eddie Murphy is in therapy and doesn't say anything. And then the scene just fucking ends and we never see the that therapist was, again. That was, that was just an odd fucking gag for them to go with that. They just sat there and just decided mm. they were like, they were like, Oh yeah. Like the therapist, like I, I would have made more sense if the therapists were like trying to get Eddie Murphy to say stuff and Eddie Murphy couldn't say stuff, but he would like make motions mm-hmm. and such. But it I shit you not, it is just him and the therapist sitting down, staring at each other and making making mm-hmm. faces at one another. And that's that's the scene. That's it. I know and it's so like lame. and but- and like I said, that's the last time we see the therapist in this movie, which feels very strange because, you know, when you think yeah. comedy, you think like the, the the rule of threes. So I was like, OK, we'll yeah. see this guy again and there'll be some joke. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's yeah, exactly. never fucking followed up on. Mm-hmm. So, OK, it's, then at the valet. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry, at the valet. Murphy gets stopped and, you know, he asks about his book because Murphy isn't saying anything. He thinks he the, the valet thinks he hated the book, but the valet talks to me. You know, it's OK. I hate myself, too. And then Murphy passes off his keys and he's like the valet, like he gets mad. He's like, you know what? I'll park your car. You'll you'll see what I do. I'll park. I'll park it under the tree with all the birds. So they poop on it. Cool. So now we go on. That's Clark. You know, he right. it's dumb. It's dumb. It's, it's uh, Mike. I know we kind of. I know we kind of went through those skits fast, but like all I can no, really say no, about those them skits, is it's dumb. Those skits are those skits are Family Guy cutaway gag dumb. They, you're like you're like yup, it's happening. Anyways, so 
now Clark, they go into Eddie Murphy's office and Clark follows in and he's like, you're not saying anything, but Clark thinks he's mad about, you know, that Clark left work early or the Christmas party where Clark kiss, kissed Eddie Murphy's wife. I'm like, oh, oh, oh okay. <laughs> and then this is, this is the, this is the bit that I was talking about that made me say, what the fuck? Um, because mm-hmm. Clark comes like, wait, no, you're not mad for that. It's of what I've done in this office. You found it. You found my video camera with the furry tapes. And a girl comes in and Clark is like, okay, the jig's up. He knows what we do in here. After work, he leaves. We we just, you know, do it on the desk. Just do it all over, all over this office. And just keep saying things. And it's awkward. And I'm like, I... It's, what? It's It's so... It's such a... It's for for a non for a nothing gag that you're supposed to go ho ho he overshared whoa and it's like and it's supposed to be raunchy because it's like because he's like supposed to be like a huge degenerate. It's just it all it does is doesn't mm. it doesn't make me laugh it makes me go huh like I'm like I'm like what the fuck <laughs> it's like. Like guys, like I, I don't even know what to say. I'm like, oh fucking. Also, the casual, just him being like, is it because I kissed your wife on the lips and it was awesome and I totally don't regret it? Like, how does Eddie Murphy as a boss not go? All right, well, this is going to be an HR report. Like that, and also the furry tapes and all of that. Like, how does Eddie Murphy not immediately sit there and just, just grab? the assistant and just drag him over to the HR person, plant him down and go and just like point at him. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. Dude. I mean, what, which would you find worse? The furry tapes what? or like, the fucking, the furry tapes or him kissing your girl. Probably the kissing the girl part. The furry tapes, I would have been like, that's fucking nasty. I would be like, I would, Im- mm-hmm. the furry tapes one, I would immediately get up and just be like, just be like, I'm going to HR. But like the kissing by girl, what I was like, I would totally just be like, be like, we got to or we're going to solve this. We're going to solve this. Starts cracking knuckles, cracking his neck, ready to fucking throw hands. You just hear all you hear, all you hear is a- the Ace of Spades song, like they played in Super Bad. Start playing, <laughs> <laughs> like just fucking ready to throw hands, baby. Okay, so getting away from violence in the workplace. So hell yeah, Eddie Murphy he gets dr- he gets dragged off to a meeting with some French guy, and his colleague wants him to tell a story about the guru. And Murphy just says, life is a journey three times. And the Europeans are just like, I don't get it. But then back with the tree, some squirrels start climbing the tree. And then we go back with Eddie Murphy. And like the squirrels on the tree are having an effect on him. So he starts giggling, you know, like he's got ants in his pants and just fucking runs off. But the next at some restaurant, Eddie Murphy and Clark go to sit down at the restaurant with some more corporate douchebag yes men. I don't fucking know. And, mm-hmm. you know, Clark goes to like, hug and fist bump two of the guys and you know he's Eddie Murphy's like you know what you take the lead I you know he can't say anything so Clark just says things and it's awkward and Eddie Murphy just starts fucking sweating profusely because back at the tree it's getting watered and Mm -hmm. Clark says things 
and it's dumb. Next scene. He he says some stupid ass stuff. Sorry, that's it's, all I, I really wanted to emphasize that. It's dumb. Next scene. <laughs> so we get daycare in a dad's group. The preschool teacher calls out Eddie Murphy for not singing along and then singles him out and then makes him speak, thus bringing him closer to the, his inevitable death. So also in this scene, Eddie Murphy gets a child thrown at his head in an airplane that then knocks him to the ground. I, I know it's been a lot of this happens here, this happens here, this happens here, because that's what happens. It's yeah, that's that's the problem. I was like, it's like the movie overlay tries to correct. It, it feels like it's trying to course correct with mm-hmm. its serious tone that it's I feel like the movie accidentally or the movie feels like it. I feel like the movie's trying to correct the tone it accidentally set, which mm-hmm. was really dark, where it's like he's forced to speak thus inching him closer to his own death, which he can witness in real time. And then they're just going, but why he got hit in the face by a kid. And you're like, okay, all right, fine. It's just, it's, it's such this weird dichotomy because it's just cutaway gags meant to soften the blow and make you not think about the reality of the situation he's in. So now back with Eddie, back at Eddie Murphy's house, his wife wants to talk. And she's like, oh, it was really sweet watching you play with the kid. And then, you know, he's like, you, she's like, y'all need to have that one thing that y'all do. But he's like, can't. And Eddie Murphy is like trying to like do play charades and motion towards the tree. But she thinks it's about the house. So she yells at him and he only says sorry. And she storms off. But Eddie Murphy, like he gives chase and tries to use like as short as few as words as possible. And then, like, he says, my life, two days. And then Eddie Murphy starts choking himself, and she's like, oh, all my talking makes you sick. I see how it is. And then fucking storms off. Again, I know this is supposed to be a dumb gag, and she's supposed to misconstrue it. I'm so aware of that. But it just feels like the movie was grasping at straws for her to, like, get mad. Like, because mm-hmm. all he does is go, all he does is go, my life, two days, uh, 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 and she, and she just jumps to this full 100% conclusion, and you're supposed to be like, oh my god, he, she, she's thought of the wrong thing. But in reality, I'm like, how did you get that from him? How, how did, how did his motions convey that sentiment to you? I want to know your thought process here because it looked like he just made choking noises and said the phrase my life which is i guess that can be bad but it's more confusing than anything else yeah i i i have i don't know i have no i have no words it's just always it's just like the same gag throughout the whole movie and after a certain point you know if you do the same thing over and over again it gets tiring. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So Eddie Murphy runs outside, he's trying to make a call to Dr. Sinja. And, you know, he's like, oh, hey, how's it going? Yeah, I still don't know anything. Okay, bye. Then, you know, Eddie Murphy fucking hangs up the road, hangs up the phone. This, this fucking shaman is just the worst. Like, he's out here 
He's out here in Texas just boarding up his windows. Oh, God. Man, Eddie Murphy's out in California. You fucking made this goddamn bed. (laughs) All right. (laughs) And I'm ashamed that I have to lay in it. (laughs) It's... It's, now 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 we're looking back on the fucking the cat the cat and the gun bit and going ooh why couldn't it be another one of those gangs <laughs> it was like oh look at us back then we were so tame we were so innocent before <laughs> waco got involved <laughs> you know what this country was was honest before we, this podcast was honest before waco got involved <laughs> Okay, so we get more bits. Back to the Starbucks the next day. More of the miming bit, and he's better than he was last time. And back to the office. Um, a female colleague runs up to Eddie Murphy and is like, "Yo, what happened at lunch yesterday? Something about a rude, stupid junior agent." But back in Eddie Murphy's office, he gets a call from an agency, and the, this colleague is like, "Listen, you can make this deal. A deaf mute man could make it." So the guys over the phone are asking questions. So the the bit here is Eddie Murphy like grabs an Austin Powers doll that says, yeah, baby. And that's how he's communicating. And he just finds any sound making device in his office. He even fucking gets Clark to go get every doll in the building and brings it to like make noise and communicate with them. The props department put their whole energy into this scene. They were like, <laughs> they were like, you know what? Innocuous things that the audience doesn't acknowledge. That can go to the fucking wind. Time to bust out. Time to bust out our 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 good shit. So they just they bring out just fucking it's the works of like characters. Like it's like uh what's it? It's got like like everyone from fucking Austin Powers to like I don't know, like a like a like a basketball player or some shit like that. Scar- to like, like we get Scarface, Terminator, Scarface. Fu- like the whole fucking works. And isn't is it is it I could have sworn like Bacho Man or Randy Savage was sure. Well, I mean, I think every movie is better than Randy Savage. I mean, absolutely. <laughs> Him and Ultimate Warrior. It's there's a whole lot more energy. It's and it's it's whole lot natural. more drugs. Whole lot more drugs. A lot more artificial energy is involved <laughs> when they're involved. Okay, so sure, he closes the deal. Then we go to some store. This is the first time we ever like actually leave Eddie Murphy's side, which kind of feels very stark. So the um, Eddie's wife is with her friend who bought her some sexy lingerie. And, th- you know, I, I'm not a fan of this scene. But one line I do want to point out is from her friend. Tequila plus ass equals happiness. And I just want to say and- that in all my years of cinema, there has never been something that has been spoken that's been more true. Yeah, it's you know what it's it's. it's I'll give, I'll give like, the movie that. I was watching. I was watching this for, with with my roommate. We both like sat there and just kind of went, "All right, she's not a hundred percent wrong." Like, 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 you're like that's you're like, yeah, there's, there's there's some truth to that. You're like, <laughs> so okay, so back with Eddie, he goes to like a fancy hotel and is going to meet someone. He goes to knock on the door. And it's this fat guy wearing a pirate hat. And we go back to the receptionist and she apologizes yes. about the mix up. Randomly drop in this bit. Why don't you? It's, it's so it's so unannounced. Like it's 
And I guess the joke is that it's unannounced and it's so out of left field, but it feels too, it feels too mm. random. Like, yeah. I don't know. It feels like there's an appropriate amount of random that you're like, whoa, that's, whoa, that's so crazy. And then there's like, there's enough to where, then there's so random that you're like, oh, okay, we get it. It's fucking random. Please stop. Lol, I'm random. Rar means I love you in dinosaur dude, XD. Dude, dude, fucking dude. That's this, just a is, wait, this got this got released in 2012. It could totally be like Tumblr lol XD random shit. Oh my god. The right the oh, writer was well, just a Tumblr person. Was just oh, a, was just a Tumblr user. We'll let we'll let Tumblr write a movie script and just see what happens. Yeah, yeah, because that's not going to go wrong. <laughs> so, so then Eddie Murphy goes up to the correct hotel room and sees his wife in lingerie, and you know she starts stripping Eddie Murphy down and handcuffs him, and she's like, "Why don't you tell me what you want to do to me? The more you say, the more I do. Talk dirty to me, don't you want? And just like say." what you want to do to me every last fucking detail ryan gossip sorry um and murphy yes. tries to say something but yeah he, uh, he can't say anything and she just gets mad screams at his face and she's like you know you, you need to tell me i love you you need to tell me that you love me and then eddie uses some of his dying words to say i love you but the wife wants more she wants a bigger statement but he can't so she starts to fucking storm out, but Eddie Murphy stops her and, you know, he tries to tell her about the tree using some words, but she thinks it's just a fucking midlife crisis or something. So she kicks Eddie Murphy, who is still in handcuffs and in his underwear out in the hallway. And um, so, yeah, he encounters the fat pirate on the elevator down. Mike, do you got it's, anything you want to add? I... <sighs> I wish there were quips I could just jump in with or like something to say where I'm like, oh, my God, he looks like X. But I, just, I the movies, the movies taking it out of me. Substance. I'm getting it. I'm getting an, I'm getting an ice pirates moment. Like there's just the movies doing all of this for me. And like it's there's no substance. There's no interestingness to it. There's nothing like there's nothing there that I'm like, wow interesting i'm like oh he's in his underwear and that's a bit and he's handcuffed and it's and like they try to the do that at the, it's like they try to do that at the end but it just like it doesn't hit the same when you've like i don't know this this is just a very like confusing tonally diverse movie that just decides to flip-flop it's like this movie's like a pancake just like keep flipping that shit over to like the other it's, side it's so it's like it's like the movie has zero confidence in the tone it's set mm -hmm. it's like if the movie doesn't believe that it should have as serious of a tone as it should mm -hmm. and it just continuously corrects itself to be like no it could be silly and you're like it's okay if it's a little on the serious side. It's okay. It's not bad. And they're like, no, it's mm -hmm. kooky. And you're like, please stop. It's okay. Just be serious. Okay. So down at the 
at the front of the hotel, Eddie Murphy gets a call from Clark. You know, someone sent a copy of the Guru's book over when Clark stepped away from his desk. So Eddie's like, oh, shit. So we go to another restaurant where Murphy walks in and he's missing a copy of the book and he's got new clothes on um, and sits down and try to like talk with every with like this group of, you know, people trying to sell the book. But then back with the tree, the gardener is about to poison the tree. He's like he tells the guy that he's with, like, you breathe this stuff in. It makes you crazy. So then at the restaurant, Murphy just starts having a, the coughing fit of a chain smoker. And then the but then I got high song starts playing. And Murphy yeah. just starts, you know, tripping ass. Just he just right at this business meeting. He's he's Eddie Murphy gets fucking zonked at a business meeting. He is toasted. And it's it's so funny. Like just hearing it's like hearing the Afro man fucking song. It just is icing on the cake because all it makes me think of when I heard the because I got high and this is because it's, you know, in the news is like, uh. The police raiding Afro Man's fucking like house for no fucking reason, and then suing him because he turned the raid into a into a music video. Oh, I don't think I heard about that. You didn't? Oh my god! No, okay, so the police where Afro Man lives, I don't know where the fuck he lives. They raided his house because fucking I don't know. It's Afro Man. I'm assuming they thought yeah. he had like a shitload of weed on him, which. You know, credit where credit's due. There's like (laughs) he probably had a decent amount of weed on him. I don't know if it was an illegal amount, but you know, either way, he had because he has a camera pointed at his driveway. Like he he used his own footage of the raid and just turned it into a music video and profited off of it. And now the cops are suing him for the music video for the raid that they were. kind of not supposed to do for for emotional distress the more you know so okay so then after we get some bits of eddie murphy being high the um, the furry woman from before delivers the book and tells the whole group oh yeah it's only five pages so the female colleague that eddie murphy is with is pissed and she's like what the fuck is there anything you want to say eddie murphy says nothing and she fucking fires him so back at Eddie Murphy's house, like he's drawing on a blackboard, you know, we're trying to figure out like, you know, he's doing charades and Clark is also there. And like he puts two and two together and finds out like what's going on. Like Clark thinks it's a drug trip. But then uh, Eddie shows him a visual representation outside next to the tree. Well, Clark is like, no, no, I'm going to go. But Eddie Murphy stops him. And then Clark stares at the tree. He says like, look, Clark, stare at the tree. I'll be back. So Murphy runs out of the house where we cut to Eddie Murphy doing good deeds, like throwing baguettes at homeless people, making donations to a church, and then removing the donations when he realizes the good deeds are not working. Yeah. Rescuing a cat named Mittens from a tree who gets attacked and falls <laughs> off a ladder. It's that, it's that G-rated humor that you've seen plenty of times, but represent our boy Mittens. Dude, dude Mittens out here. Mittens fucking... Mittens be getting work after fucking uh, glitter. <laughs> so... Um, Clark is like, look, I gotta go. So we go back to the house. It's night now, and Eddie Murphy is like looking through his house at a photo, fo- um, and also at a photo album, album, and goes out to the tree and pulls out a picture and he meditates. It's a picture of what I assume to be is his father. We get a flashback to like young Eddie Murphy with his mother, and Eddie calls out to his young self, and the young self says, "No, Dad, you're not here. You were never here." And that shocks Eddie Murphy awake. Then we go next scene, still the same night, I assume. 
And Eddie goes to talk to this guru at like, I don't know, a fucking college bar. And the guru is like, you know, making small talk. But Murphy is like, hey, how about we figure out this fucking issue that I'm facing? I I love I don't I love, have a dude, job. I can't speak or I will die. It's so funny that like Eddie Murphy sits down and is like expecting like you know, results. And the shaman tries to do his like, you ever had pie before? And Eddie Murphy is like, motherfucker, I have lost everything. Please focus. And the guy's like, fine, if you're going to be a dick about it. <laughs> you're like, I don't know. The poor man's lost just about everything in his life. Like, just just throw him a bone here and tell him what he wants. So the guru is basically like, the answer is, I have no answer. I don't know how this will work out for you. You need to find inner peace. You need to find truth about yourself. You need to get quiet with your mouth and your mind. You know, get figure out your unresolved relationship. You know, does your wife know that you love her? Figure your shit out, dog. That's that's essentially what he's saying in very fancy words. Yeah. And he's like, and this movie just gets fucking deep where before we were having bits of Eddie Murphy you know, helping a blind guy through traffic and Clark's a furry. Isn't that so funny, guys? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's this, again, the movie, you said it best, the movie flip-flops, the movie fucking pancakes back and forth. Like, at certain points, it is like, no, seriousness. And at other points, it's like, wackiness. And you're like, okay, I understand balancing one with the other, but there's a fucking we're on two different extremes and you need to tone it down first. So, okay, we go back to the house now and Eddie Murphy has a bottle of vodka and it's one of the reasons I picked my, I picked vodka. So, and then Clark is also just hanging out at his house and, you know, Clark is just saying things, but Murphy isn't paying attention um, so Eddie Murphy and Clark, they walk to the tree and they yell at it. And then, um, Eddie Murphy pours alcohol on it and hits it with the bottle. You know, it's killing him. And Murphy screams fertilizer is crap. That means you eat shit. And Clark is like, fuck, shut the fuck up, please. And honestly, <laughs> if I was Eddie Murphy, I wouldn't take that tone from a fucking furry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's. <laughs> yeah, just like the the idea of just like you just hear like the fucking doom music start up and Eddie Murphy with the bottle just turns to Clark and is like, do you dare oppose me? <laughs> just turns into Mortal Kombat as he's like beating him up. So this causes Eddie Murphy to come up with an idea, goes inside and plays some music and starts singing along with bad luck. He's like, fuck it. I'm going out funky so clark is like what the fuck are you doing then fucking again goes mortal combat and football tackles him like into a shelf so they have a fight clark knocks him out way too easily but the phone starts ringing so um eddie murphy, murphy goes to answer answer it but then clark punches him straight in the face and then duct tapes eddie murphy's mouth shut duct tapes the phone and now there are only like a few leaves left on the tree so the next morning it's you know we're we're back at the beginning so Eddie Murphy, like he starts watering the tree and then starts telepathically communicating with it. And yeah, so Eddie Murphy he gets a phone call. He answers it. 
It's from Emily from the nursing home. It's his mom's birthday, and she's expecting Raymond, his dad, to be there. So Eddie Murphy, like, hangs up. He goes back out to the tree, and we see a poorly CGI'd butterfly laying next to the tree on a little pamphlet that Eddie Murphy reads. It's great. Magical. Magical. So, so... So whimsic, so whimsical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that whimsical, that whimsical Cinema 4D, <laughs> like, like Little graphic. blue butterfly. <laughs> Good lord. So next scene, like, um, Murphy, he goes outside the house that his wife is staying at. He silences her with his hand and his backhand. No, he doesn't. Um, so we, <laughs> oh, my God. Listen, he just listen, we, pimp slapping people. Listen, we don't make jokes like that on this podcast. So only Wingo Texas jokes. (laughs) God, I hate myself. So Eddie grabs her hand and he does the you, me, we, eternity. I feel like I'm expecting like I feel like I should be I feel like I should be snapping like he was just at like a like a fucking uh like a fucking uh poetry slam and like we're all like wow deep. You're like, that's so deep. See, I was, see, you went poetry slam. I went E.T. I was like, it was like, it was like, way to go, E.T. Like, you be eternity. <laughs> Mac, then, uh, Mac and oh just comes out. Oh, my God. You want to try some Coca-Cola? Mac and me just comes out with Coca-Cola and a Big Mac, and he's like, starts dancing. <laughs> So yeah, so they go out, you, me, we, eternity, and then we go to Starbucks. Eddie Murphy got the Starbucks worker an original press of the White Album from the Beatles, because they made a Beatles reference earlier, and yeah, Eddie Murphy is like, just like, dropping like a few words. So later, he goes to the valet from earlier, gives him the manuscript, he's like, brilliant, sold, hands him a fat check, which I thought the motherfucker got fired like, does Eddie Murphy just have ten thousand dollars just lying around, or like the big ass fucking plot that's, holes? That's my question. Is like Eddie Murphy has just been like he has no job, and I'm assuming the pad he has, which make no mistake, is a pad. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure that's not exactly fucking cheap. So. Like, how is this man squeezing his dollar, like, to where he's writing off a fucking, a a 10 fucking stack check off Mm. to a valet worker who, like, I, like, I don't want to be mean. Like, he's doing good deeds and, like, that's the whole premise. But, like, I don't, I would have just gone, like, yeah, here's, like, 2K, go take it somewhere else. Like, 10? Like, that, Jesus. All right. (laughs) Listen, he's probably out in California. He's probably just fucking made of money. That is true. That is fucking true. So we get a scene where Eddie Murphy walks at a boardwalk and looks at all the people and sits on the beach and inspirational music rises. He has visions of his family. He, like he just sits in heartache on the beach like your dad did after the divorce. So then Eddie Murphy goes like <laughs> with, his his mo- with, his with his whiskey, with his whiskey, with his with his cheap whiskey. So he goes to see his mother in the nursing home. She calls out for Raymond. She talks on and on about being lonely, but she can always count on um, Eddie Murphy, as we all can. He like he brings me flowers. He helps me. You know, when we go on walks, all the ladies are so jealous. It just 
<laughs> I'm sorry, your offhand joke, just being like, as we as we all can, is just like, I'm just imagining you alone in a park, just downtrodden over some event, and just Eddie Murphy sits on the bench, pats you on the back, and goes, you know, there's always light at the end of the tunnel. It's, uh, things do get better. And you're like, thanks, Eddie Murphy. And he's like, no problem. He just gets up and walks away and just sits down on a bench next to another person who's going through it, puts his hand on the back and says the same thing. Listen, we all need an emotional support, Eddie Murphy. So like, absolutely. I mean, if you, if you yes. just record Eddie, if you could just record some positive affirmations, I think that would make the world just a bit of a better place for us. Yes. Yes. Yes, Miss Flight Attendant, it is, he is my emotional support right here, and he needs to be on the flight. <laughs> okay, so, she's, so, so, so his mom goes on and on, you know, she's like, they'd be happier, he'd be happier if he let go. She's like, Raymond, you need to tell Jack how much you love him. Life's not worth living. I like cake, don't you, Eddie Murphy? So Eddie Murphy, like, he says the words, bye, mom. I love you. And now he only has three words left. So he goes to a cemetery. Eddie Murphy visits the grave of Bruce Lee. Wait, no, it's not Bruce Lee. Um, it's actually the grave says, of his help me, help <laughs> me, Sensei Lee. <laughs> and then he just starts fucking, it just fucking sidekicks the tree and it goes tumbling down the cliff. I so, just like, I just, RJ, RJ comes snapping out. Yeah. And he just starts beat, it just starts beatboxing. <laughs> so like um eddie murphy like visits the grave of his dad and he has visions of himself talking to a young version of himself so the young and the modern version they have a conversation and you know with three leaves remaining eddie murphy says i forgive you and the final three leaves fall then the music rises it starts raining eddie murphy collapses a funeral in the background gets stopped but then eddie murphy's phone rings after you know this torrential downpour you know it's somehow still working it's a phone call from Clark who calls him and reveals that there are more leaves on the trees now, but with flowers on it. And then also Eddie Murphy is fucking alive. Also, also does Clark just fucking hang out at Eddie Murphy's house while he's love, there? His family's house. I love that. I love that. Clark is just Clark just fucking posts up apparently at Eddie Murphy's house now in this meta that they've created ever since Eddie Murphy's wife left. Like he just he's just chilling. Just how did he get in? Who knows? Did Eddie Murphy give him a key? Did he break in? Is he filming weird sex stuff there as he did in the office? What? what why is Clark there? <laughs> It's like when your roommate just like brings a friend over and he just kind of stays there for like a little bit too long, you know, like, okay, exactly. on, on the weekend, like you get it, but then it gets to like, you know, Wednesday of the next week and you're like, all right, man, you know, unless you're paying rent, you kind of got to get out of here. Yeah, exactly. You turn, you turn, you turn to him and just go like, so uh, do you have a home to return to? <laughs> or is this kind of like are we doing you a solid right now because uh i really fucking want to know if we are so um we go we go back to eddie murphy's office where it's actually now clark's office you know eddie murphy he wrote a book the guru's there you know eddie hugs him he's like oh thank you so much clark comes in and he's dressed like a monk and he's like he's clark's a literary agent now and he talks about you know he's got three offers for the book 
you know, Clark tries to do comedy in a spiritual way. It fails. So the meeting ends. Eddie Murphy has to go and says, I love you to the guru. And then Clark roasts the fuck out of his assistant, says there's a delivery and it's a tree. Oh, shit. Not again. <laughs> but the movie isn't over because we have to get Eddie Murphy taking his wife and his kid to a new house that he bought. So it's all inspiring. The wife is like, this is a step in the right direction. But Eddie Murphy says, you know, I like the silence of the neighborhood. And also the tree is in the front yard. I guess his wife believes him now. Oh, and their kid says his first words. And yeah, that's uh, that, that, that's the end of the movie. Yeehaw. The, yep. Mike, what are your thoughts? <laughs> it's, you know, again, uh, we did rag on this movie a lot, but that's pretty par for the course. We always do. It's, oh, yeah. oh, I'm yeah. going to be so honest. I'm gonna be so honest, like, this movie's pretty inoffensive. We shat on it, but like it's I don't really see a reason why you would watch it. I really don't. Mm-hmm. But it's like yeah. you're you haven't lost completely if you've wa- if you do watch it. Like you are not worse off and eh, I don't like if there's jack shit on and for some reason you don't want to watch a good movie. That is there, but I still don't know why you would watch it. That's all. I don't, I don't ever. I don't ever see it, but like, I don't see yourself like seeking this movie out. Like, if you're if you are watching TV on like a Saturday afternoon, and there's like you know you're kind of you're kind of killing time before night before you know you're going out with your buddies at night, and you're like I, nothing else is on. Okay, I'll I'll watch this, and then promptly mm-hmm. forget about it. that's. That's kind of the vibes that I was getting while talking about this movie. You're going to forget about it. Like, that's just that's just the course. You can probably skip this one for your drinking movie marathon, in my opinion. I agree. I agree. I no, no. This one you can wholeheartedly skip. There's no reason to drink and watch this movie. There's not enough funny moments. And like the slapstick doesn't fit at any level of inebriation, in my opinion. It just feels like dumb cutaway gag jokes, Mm -hmm. which I don't feel like fit either the early drunk movie things which is ridiculousness and like 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 uh story based silliness versus Mm -hmm. like movies like three and four where it's just pretty colors and silly ridiculousness that's outlandish like Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i can agree with you on that one but you know that that does it excuse me that does it for this episode of the Messed Up at Midnight podcast, you can go follow us on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Keep up to date with all that we got going on, any movie news, and you guys can follow us on social media and get the news from us. Mike, mm-hmm. Mike, Mike, do you have anything you want to say? Sometimes your words do speak louder than the actions. You know, it's, it's the movie tried to do action speak louder than words. I'm going to flip it on its head. Sometimes your words are, are much louder than the actions. So, yeah, mm-hmm. fucking use them sometimes. Maybe that'll maybe that'll maybe that'll turn out better. <laughs> it might turn out better for this movie. So, yep, but that does it for this one. No. Uh, guys, we will see y'all next week. See you next week, everybody. <laughs>